This morning, I want to continue on with the thought of the Holy Spirit. My message today is entitled, The Anointed. And in this message, if you'll turn with me in Matthew 25, we're going to start there. Matthew 25. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples, and they are inquiring about what, what the kingdom is going to be like in the end. So let's read in Matthew 25, verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. Verse 6, and at midnight a cry was heard, behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, no, least there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and he said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of man is coming. The heavenly God, we thank you, Father, for what you're doing inside of us. Father, thank you for showing up with your spirit today, filling this place alongside these people, Lord. We sense your presence here today. Continue to open our eyes and our hearts, Father, in this message, Lord, that may change our hearts, that it may draw us ever more closer to you. In your mighty, most precious name we pray. Amen. In this story, the wise and the foolish virgins Jesus is talking about in this parable, Jesus distinguishes the foolish from the wise by the abundance of the oil that they had and that they were ready to use. Turn with me to Psalms 23. If you're not familiar with Psalms 23, It's the psalm that you've probably heard. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's a sweet psalm. It's a psalm of comfort. However, later on in verse 5, I think think God, through David writing this, is rubbing it in the face of the enemy when he reads or when he writes verse 5, and it says, God, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Get this picture in your mind, church. God of the universe is preparing a table to share a meal with us. Off in the distance is our enemy. It's though as God is rubbing it in the face of the enemy. Don't you say a word. I'm about to be with my anointed. Don't even open your mouth, enemy. It's like David says, God, You don't just prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. The word anoint, 
it's defined as to smear or to rub all over. I really think that it's a divine play on words when that God is communicating two things every single time that he rubs oil all over us in an anointing. Every time God rubs or smears this oil on us, he is rubbing it in the face of our enemy. He is partnering with us. The meal that David is talking about in the scripture annoys the enemy. But I believe that the anointing that the Lord does on us terrifies our enemy. The powers of hell shake when the anointing of the Holy Spirit comes upon God's children. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is inside of us. I want to make sure we all understand when we're talking about the word anointing. Some people use the word gifting and anointing simultaneously. I want to offer to you that they are different in their meaning. Gifting. It is an inherent ability to do something well, while anointing is in a divine enablement, divine enablement to do something beyond our natural ability. So I have a question for you. How many of you would like to do whatever God has called you to do, to do it divinely enabled? We need to understand a couple of things. So the very first thing that I have for you, point number one, the anointing of the Holy Spirit must be seen as essential in our lives. Think about the word Hebrew in the, in the Hebrew language, Messiah, Mashiach, and the Greek word for Christ is Christos. These words mean identically the same thing, the anointed one. I think that God rubbing it in the face of the enemy, Jesus, the anointed one. Think about every reference in the Bible. Messiah and Christ is a reminder of the necessary association of the anointing of the Holy Spirit on Christ. Now let's turn to Luke. Luke chapter 3. Luke does an incredible job of setting up this foundation for us. Remember, Jesus is fully God and fully man when he is here on earth with us. Jesus had a necessary association with the Holy Spirit. But watch in Luke 3, starting at verse 22. It says that the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon Jesus at the baptism. In Luke 4, Verse 1, Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted. At the end of the temptation, Luke 4, verse 14, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And then in verse 17, Jesus goes into the synagogue. They hand him the scrolls of Isaiah and this is where Jesus begins publicly and verbally his public ministry here on earth. In Luke 4, verse 17, and Jesus opened the book and he found the place in Isaiah where it's written in Isaiah chapter 61. Jesus says this in front of everyone that's in the synagogue, the spirit of the Lord is, is upon me because he has anointed me 
And here is what Luke is helping us understand. Jesus, fully God, but fully man, those 33 years, Jesus was a man of the Spirit. Here's another way to say it. The key to the extraordinary life that Christ lived here on earth was the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now here's another question for you. What makes us think that we can do the tasks that God has given us to do without the anointing in our lives? The more essential the anointing of the Spirit is to you, the more you're going to find yourself asking for the Holy Spirit to come and to anoint you. Now think about it like this. When was the last time you walked into a meeting at work and you said, Holy Spirit, I'm about to have a meeting and it's an important meeting. I need your spirit in my life right now. Anoint me for this meeting right now. Or maybe you're a mom and you're about to have a, a difficult conversation with your daughter. And right before you go in to have that conversation, you pause and you say, Holy Spirit, come upon me. Give me the words to speak wisdom to my daughter because I need to be divinely enabled to carry out this task as a mom. In the conversation, there is more of an essential anointing that we need in our lives now more than ever in the day in which we live today. Here's the second thing that we need to understand. If we're going to experience more of the oil of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the anointing of the Holy Spirit is for a specific use. The Holy Spirit doesn't give you a blank check to do and to use however you would like for it to be done. We need to understand that anytime the Holy Spirit gives us an anointing, it is for a specific purpose. In the military, we are given what's called the travel card. It's a credit card used to charge travel on. I can't tell you how many times I've had troops that I've called into my office because they've purchased a car stereo at Best Buy on their government travel card. And I say, hey, you signed a user agreement. You cannot use this credit card to go to Best Buy and purchase a car stereo. The travel card is for travel. <laughs> It's the same way with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Jesus knew this. I believe that that is why the, one of the reasons why Jesus didn't cut off and stop at Isaiah 61 when he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I'm a new sheriff in town. He didn't say that. He went on. Jesus goes on to declare and repeating the, the prophetic words of Isaiah this is the why behind the anointing of the Holy Spirit on Christ's life. Let me read it to you in, in chapter 4, verse 18. Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. The Holy Spirit has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He has anointed me to proclaim the liberty to the captives. He has anointed me to give recovery of sight to the blind. He has anointed me 
to set at liberty those who are oppressed. He has anointed me to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus knew. He knew that the Holy Spirit gives an anointing, and it is always for a specific purpose. When the Holy Spirit gives you an anointing, it's not just because. It is because God has already given you an assignment in your life. And we should be seeking those assignments. Jesus says it has been given assignments and the Holy Spirit has anointed him to do that good work. Think about how this applies to you. Think about all the responsibilities and all the assignments that you have in your life. Take me, for instance. I'm a Christ follower. What kind of responsibilities are there in just being a Christ follower? What kind of responsibilities are there in being a husband? What's demanded of a wife to a husband? What responsibilities do I have as a dad? I got two kids, an eight-year-old son who's going to be a man one day. I got a lot of responsibilities in just that. I got a daughter who's going to be a woman of God one day. I got responsibilities there. I'm an associate pastor at a church, and trust me, there's a lot of responsibilities there. I'm a soldier in the United States Air Force. There's a lot of responsibilities there. I'm a leader. I'm a teacher. What kind of responsibilities do you have? I believe you may have more than me. And you might be sitting there right now thinking to yourself, responsibilities, Dave? I'm to hear with responsibilities. I'm overwhelmed at times with responsibilities. Let me encourage you with this thought. I don't know that it may be all the responsibilities that's causing you to be overwhelmed, but I think you need to understand what the power of the anointing of the Holy Spirit can change how those responsibilities are dealt with. See, a lot of believers believe that the anointing comes in maybe just one jar. Just one anointing jar, enough anointing for whatever you think there is. I don't believe that. For instance, you try to be a good dad and you're out doing the good dad thing and you're calling on this anointing to be that good dad and then the next thing you know, work's got some demands on it, and you're calling from that anointing oil from the Holy Spirit to do all that you have and all the responsibilities that you have at home. And it gets to a friend, and everybody's got to be a good friend, and you go to the jar of anointing oil, and there's not enough. Many believers believe that there's only one jar of oil for anointing for everything that we have to do in life, and I don't believe that. I... I'm reminded of 2 Kings 4, where Isaiah, Elijah was, was dealing with a widow, and this widow said she didn't have anything, and he, and he came to her and he said, what, what do you need? And she said, I got children, I got family to feed, and I don't have enough here. And he said, what do you have? And she went back in her house, she brought out oil, and she said, this is all I have. And he said, go gather empty pots and empty jars and begin to fill the empty jars with the oil that you do have. 
And the next thing that she knew, every single empty jar that she had gathered was filled with the oil. And all of the jars were full from the one jar that she had. I believe that's how the anointing of the Holy Spirit works in our lives. It is not just one jar, but it is a new jar for every assignment that we are given. I have totally lost my place on my notes. (laughs) I know that in my life that many times the Lord has asked me to do a thing And it comes with a still, small voice to do a new assignment in my life. And I can approach that new assignment with with two ways. One way being like maybe most unbelievers believe in saying, I'm overwhelmed, I can't do anymore, I've got all the tasks that I can handle, and I'm sorry, Lord, I can't do that. Or I could approach it with a, a different way. And I could say that, Holy Spirit, I know that with a new task that you're calling me to do means that I'm going to have access to a brand new jar of oil for that task as well as all of my other tasks. So every single thing that God calls you to do, the Holy Spirit wants to anoint you to do that. This brings me to my third point. The anointing of the Holy Spirit comes with his power. And I like this one. This is a fun one. We have to talk about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And remember that Jesus said to his disciples that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. Remember in Job chapter 1 and and 2, Scripture tells us that there is a conversation going on between Satan and God sitting on the throne about Job. Satan says, Well, there's no one on earth that can do all that they need to do. And God says that there was no one on earth like Job. Satan says, well, of course not. Job loves you. You give him every single thing that he wants. You give him everything he wants. Take all that away from him. And I bet he curses you to your face, God. Then God says, okay, test my boy Job. You can do anything you want to him, but don't take his life. When I read texts like that, about a conversation between Satan and God, about a human, I also am reminded about Revelation 12, verse 10. It talks about the accuser of the brethren, Standing before God day and night with all kinds of conversations about me and you to God. When I read these passages, I just wonder if there's all kinds of conversations between the accuser and us happening all of the time. I wonder, and this is just my redeemed imagination happening right now in front of you, I wonder if there was a conversation between Satan and God about David, who was about to become king. You remember little Davy boy? He was just a little guy who played with sheep, and he shot a slingshot. You remember little Davy boy? 
And Satan kind of is reminded by God that David's going to be king one day. And so Satan says, you're going to allow this little runt, Davy boy, to be king one day? Why in the world would you do that? You've got Saul who stands head and shoulders above everyone else. I wonder if the accuser went, that puny little guy named David is going to be king one day. Go ahead and make him king. I like my chances against your chosen people with him as your king. But then we see what happens when Samuel arrives. Samuel had been looking for the next king. Samuel had came to Jesse's house looking for the next king, and Jesse showed him all of what Jesse thought was the available of a next king, and Samuel couldn't find him amongst the sons that David had shown him, and he said, there's got to be more. Well, there's, there's, there's little Davy. He's out in the field. And at that moment in time when David came back and Samuel brought out the flask of oil and he says, this is him. This is the next king. And the moment when the oil hit David's head, I believe the enemy said, whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You said he was going to be king. You didn't say anything about him being anointed to be king. In the moment that that happened, I believe the enemy was terrified. We have to remember that the Holy Spirit is with us and on us, bringing the power of God to us. Through us, he makes the powers of hell tremble every time the Holy Spirit partners with us, the children of God. It is game, set, match for those of us who recognize the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. This is why it terrifies the accuser. One of the greatest advertisements of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God doing and through ordinary people doing extraordinary things through us. Here is another way to see in our human weaknesses, it is a divine setup for God to do his abundant power through us. Let me be more specific. In your weakness is a divine setup for God of the universe to partner with you and for him to flex his strength over the enemy. This is why I think Paul bragged about his weakness because God had said to him, in your weakness, my power is made perfect. Human weakness is a divine setup for God to do the powerful in the ordinary people that we are. When the Holy Spirit partners with us, he anoints us to do the impossible things and make them possible. That brings us to the last point in my message. Point number four, and I believe this is the most important of them all. If you don't hear anything else I've said today, listen to this point. I personally believe, and I'm very strongly, if you want to experience more of the oil of the anointing of the Holy Spirit in your everyday life, you have to understand point number four. 
Don't ever let the anointing become more important than the anointer. The key to the anointing of the Spirit is to cherish the Holy Spirit more than the anointing. You see, one of the biggest things that distinguishes David from Saul is how those two men saw the anointing of the Holy Spirit. When Saul sinned against God, Samuel comes to him and says, Saul, it's over. It is over. He has been lifted off of you. When Saul sinned against God, Samuel knew that it had been lifted off of him. And Saul doesn't lament at the spirit being lifted off of him. Where is King David when he sinned with Bathsheba? David gets caught and God calls him out through Nathan. David grieves and he begs God. David writes Psalms 51 during this time. And I just want to read you one little verse in Psalms 51. Verse 11. David says, God, please do not cast me out of your presence. And whatever you do, please don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. Can I give you for just a moment, maybe my paraphrase of this verse as well? I think David, when he wrote this verse, he's looking in the direction of his best friend, his best friend, the Holy Spirit. And he's wanting to say something to him. And here's my my version of that scripture. Holy Spirit, if you aren't with me, I can't be me. Holy Spirit, if you leave me, I don't even want to be me. Holy Spirit, the best thing about me isn't this kingdom that I serve in. Holy Spirit, it isn't the throne that I sit on. The best part of me is you. So please, God, please, God, don't ever take your Holy Spirit away from me. Church, can you imagine if the church adopted the same idea and the same posture as what David had when he wrote Psalms 51, 11? In the day in which we live today, let me explain the situation that we are in today. In Joel chapter 2, God made a promise that he said that he would pour out his spirit upon all mankind. Now, the Holy Spirit, during Shavuot, which is Pentecost, what we call Pentecost, the Holy Spirit falls on some people during Pentecost. And there is Peter standing and observing in the distance, and he sees some people that haven't received the Holy Spirit, and they begin to say that the people that had received the Holy Spirit are drunk. And Peter runs up and he says, no, 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 you've got it all wrong. And he refers back to Joel chapter 2, and he says again that the Spirit of God 
has promised that he would pour out his spirit upon all mankind. That's what's happening today. 2,000 years later, the Holy Spirit is moving to and fro all amongst humanity. And he's saying that he is looking for people who are willing to say, Holy Spirit, we need you. I can't live without you, Holy Spirit. The best part of us is you, Holy Spirit. Please, God, don't ever take your Holy Spirit away from us today. Holy Spirit, would you rest upon us today? Here I am. Fill me now. I want to read to you again. I opened this message up with, with Matthew 25, talking about the kingdom of God and what it will be like. And Christ says that it will be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise. You want to be among the wise. Church, you want to be among the wise. And there were five foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. Church, this oil that it's talking about is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But the wise took the Holy Spirit with them and their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at a midnight cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your Holy Spirit, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, no. Least there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Would you stand with me this morning? Right now, we're going to do something right now. We're going to respond. We're going to respond to what the Word has given to us today. Wherever you're watching online today, we want to give you that opportunity to respond to the message today. We can't talk about the anointing of the Holy Spirit without responding. 
the opportunity God has given us to be divinely enabled with his anointing of a Holy Spirit, you cannot not respond. We can't talk about all of these things and not respond to what he has given to us. In a moment, we're going to sing a song that we sang earlier in the service. And it's, it's simple words, very simple words. Holy Spirit, come rest on us. I want you to think about all of the assignments that you have in your life right now. And how many of those assignments do you need the Holy Spirit to anoint you to do? Christ was anointed fully God, fully man. He was anointed to do the work of God here on earth. We've been given tasks and assignments to do things for the Lord. You're a mom, you're a dad, you're an employee. You have lots of responsibilities. I believe the Holy Spirit can help you with each and every one of those things and you can be given a jar of oil to tap into for those things. I'm going to pray. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come again today. We have felt your presence here to, with us this morning. And Lord, we know that you sent your Holy Spirit to give us peace in our minds and in our bodies, Father. And Lord, we're asking you again today to come and do a great work amongst us today. To the glory of God, do a great work in us today. I pray that you should divinely enable every single soul that is here this morning so that all the glory goes to you, God the Father. And Holy Spirit, would you come upon us today? Lord, we want, we want to be amongst the wise that you spoke about. But even more than that, and more than your anointing, Lord, we cry out for more of your spirit upon us today. More of your presence in our everyday life. In these last days, Father, we are desperate for your Holy Spirit to come and to rest upon us today. In your mighty, most precious name we pray.